0: Next up on the Mutual Audio Network Fiction from our future The following audio drama is rated PG For parental guidance recommended
1: Hi everybody, Garbanzo here I'm in this docking bay doing some repairs to the chronosphere, and I thought it'd be a good opportunity to walk around and meet some other pilots of the spectral streams. Here comes someone now. So hey, man, tell us about yourself.
0: My name is Aaron Corbett, and I want to let you know about my show called Your Three Stories Podcast. We produce weird and funny audio drama stories in series of three. Here are a few examples of what you will hear. The first clip is from our financial crisis series and is called The Search for Gold. In this story, three treasure hunters dig for more than they bargained for.
2: Sam, is there any sort of curse we should be worried about with this treasure? Some treasures have evil curses attached to them, and people who look for the treasure end up dying.
0: You didn't say anything about there being a curse, Sam. How could you do this to us, Sam? There is no curse. Are you sure... Maybe this treasure carries a curse, but since
2: nobody found it, then nobody knows about the curse. We could be the first to
0: die. Our second example is from our technical difficulties series and is called Super Secret Super Soldier. Charlotte Drake, a brilliant scientist, attempts to create a super soldier for the United States government, only to find out that not everything goes as planned. Project Nightcrawler is a complete success. Look, he's getting up. He can't even stand. His leg just fell off. Also that back on after lunch. Everyone be quiet. He's going to say his
1: first words.
0: You can listen to more at our website www.yourthreestories.com or anywhere you get your podcasts.
1: Here comes another meat Bad pilot. So, buddy, what do you got going
0: on out here? Hey there, audience. I'm Dan Knight, and I'm Thomas Towson, and we also do one of those podcast things. Yep, it's called Bannerbox Radio, and some have described it using words such as funny, relatable, and weekly. Weekly? I, I mean, I guess that's accurate. It's not really a good show descriptor, though. Oh, really? And if you were to choose a word to describe Bannerbox, what might that word be? Hmm. Flavorful. Why would... Oh, God. Just like the flavorful taste of Zataran's products. Get that authentic Cajun flavor of jambalaya or red beans and rice in your mouth, hot and ready, in ten minutes or less. You know, we're supposed to be promoting our show, right? Look, I gotta look out for my interests, and that means... The delicious taste of zatarans. Okay, well, while you're eating it, feel free to have a listen to Bannerbox Radio. We can be found on iTunes and some other random places online, too. You can also listen at GoShipRadio.com if you prefer. Feel the Cajun explosion in your mouth. Please stop.
1: Just goes to show, you never know who you're going to meet while you're traveling the spectral streams. Well, my repairs are done. Let's get the Chronosphere back out there in the spectral
3: streams.
2: Welcome to Chronosphere Fiction. This is your pilot, Daniel French. This journey's bubble verse is brought to you by writer Patrick Edwards, and his story is Jop's Folly. It's a pretty big bubble verse, it's going to take a long time to traverse. We're going to split the first crossing into two trips so we can have some refueling time. Speaking of fuel, I could use a little help paying for it out there, you guys. Go to patreon.com slash chronosphere and kick in a little for us, would you? Now, we give to you, Jop's Folly. Hit the skid, you drunk. Jop jumped back just in time to avoid the flailing body being hurled into the street. The body landed with a splash in a muddy puddle. Jop looked up at the figure who'd done the hurling, whose hulking frame looked to be made completely of stone. The figure looked that way because he was, of course, a craglad. A race of anthropomorphic rock people. He noticed Jop and spoke in a gravelly voice. What's the word, Jay?
4: Hey, Micah.
2: The rock man held the door open. Coming in?
4: In a minute, buddy.
2: Sure thing. I'll make sure there's room at the bar for you. As Micah dipped back inside the establishment known as Comet's Cocktails, Jop caught her own reflection in the mirrored paneling. The visage staring back at her stood just about five feet and was sporting pale yellow skin, a wide nose, and two short nodes protruding from a bare scalp. She'd put on a few pounds since dropping out of the academy. She was still a handsome specimen of the mighty Yablon race, at least in her own mind. Your mother was a pebble, cried a voice from behind her. Jop turned around to see the formerly flailing body sitting upright in the puddle. Underneath the fine layer of mud, Jop could make out the jolly frog-like features of a bog tech.
4: You're a little late on the comeback, pal. The big guy already went back in.
2: Figures. Damn craggy's always making trouble. We should be turning him into buildings, not not giving him jobs. At the end of his blubbery green arm, a white card was clasped in his pudgy fingers. He raised it up. My money's just as good as any damn craggies. Jop stepped off the curb and walked up to the slovenly creature sitting in front of her.
4: I hear you, pal. These damn rock brains think they're as sentient as the rest of us. Tell you what, loan me a couple pecs, and I'll go buy us some ales.
2: The bog tech's head nodded, causing two of his chins to bounce.
4: Sounds
2: good. Jop snatched the card.
4: Thanks, pal. I'll be right Back, You should get some rest.
2: Within a few seconds, the bog tech was curled up in the muddy puddle, snoring loudly. (laughs) Jop slid the door open, letting the din of music and drunken chatter wash over her and the sleeping drunkard. She pushed through the crowd and pulled herself up to an empty seat at the bar. The bartender, a six-foot-tall beetle, walked over and snapped.
4: We don't serve scrog bags like you in my place. You know, your cousin told me the same thing this morning, right before I scraped him off my boot.
2: They stared unblinkingly at each other for a few long seconds. Then in unison, their hard stares dissolved into laughter.
4: Good to see you, Jop. What'll you have?
2: Said the insectoid woman.
4: Planicie ale, and keep them coming. "'I'm celebrating tonight,'
2: replied Jop as she slapped down the white card.
4: "'Must have been a big run,'
2: said the bartender. She kept wiping down the counter with three of her hands, while the fourth picked up the white card. It had one hundred displayed on a small digital screen.
3: "'A hundred tallions
4: is worth celebrating? Times must be rough.' (laughs) "'Ha! Nah, that ain't my bonus.' I swiped that from the racist yawk that Mike just bounced out of here.
2: The bartender's mandibles again clicked with laughter.
4: Serves him right. He was getting a little handsy with the other primates. So what are we celebrating tonight? I just hauled a thousand tons of biotech across the Krebdo system in less than a week.
2: The bartender set a green bottle in front of Jop, who picked it up.
4: Thanks, Hale. No problem. So... I don't mean to be sticking my antenna where they don't belong, but you've made runs like that before. What's so special this time? I've just been given my first tier nine job.
2: Hail made a sound not unlike whistling.
4: Tier 9? So when will you decide you're too good to drink in a dump like this? <laughs> I always been too good for this dump. And besides.
2: She paused to watch Micah pull apart two anthropomorphic balls of fur who were in the midst of a physical disagreement. She looked back to Hale.
4: This place has way too much charm. (laughs) Oh, sure. We're just bursting with class.
2: She accented the point by spitting a foamy white substance onto the floor.
4: Say, where is your brother? Bop's not feeling
3: well. Hey, I'll be right back. I gotta go refill around for these yak knockers
2: She jerked a claw back towards a group of reptilian Sureshi, whose python-like heads were huddled close in clandestine conversation. Jop took a sip from her bottle and spun around on her stool to scan the motley assortment of bar patrons. Two dronlins, walking hulks of red muscle, were chatting up a table of female Pizuru, humanoids with multicolored, jigsaw-patterned skin. A healthy portion of the crowd noise was coming from a group of her fellow yablons in the throes of a serious bender. Dozens of empty bottles littered their table, as well as the nearby floor. Two of their party, however, were less interested in drinking and more focused on seeing how far they could shove their tongues down each other's throats. She saw a cluster of kapua, sparkling glowing clouds. Job spent a minute pondering the logistics of how a sentient ball of gas would get drunk. In the corner was a table full of talls. Lean, seven-footers, their long purple heads tilted back as they chugged from glass mugs. Probably junior executives from Prime Partners, the ruling conglomerate on this planet.
4: The trust fund crew is slumming it tonight,
2: Job quipped to no one in particular.
4: Maybe Daddy cut off
1: the credit fee, and this is the only place they can afford with their actual salaries.
2: Said a sultry voice to Job's left. Jop chuckled and turned to find the voice's owner. She found herself looking into a dazzling pair of golden eyes. Attached to those eyes was a face bearing striking humanoid features and a powder blue tint. She brushed back a platinum-colored lock of hair over a pointed ear node and smiled. Jop returned the smile.
4: The name's Jop, and you are? Oh, nice to meet you, Jop. I'm Lloyd. Nice meeting you, Loy. So what brings a lovely lady like you into a place like this?
2: She snorted back a laugh.
4: Uh, Is that really the best line you can come up with? When you look this good, sweets, you don't need clever lines.
2: Loy arched an (laughs) eyebrow.
4: So you think you're that attractive? huh? Well, hey, you're the one who started the conversation.
2: She gave Jop a wry smile.
4: Fair enough. Okay, Jop, I'll tell you what.
1: You buy me my next drink, and I'll tell you exactly what a lovely lady like myself is doing in a place like this.
2: This time it was Job who arched an eyebrow.
4: You've got a deal, sweets.
2: The soft morning light shining through the bedroom window felt like a laser beam on Job's face. She groaned as she attempted to pull herself up to a sitting position. Her head exploded in pain as the hangover took hold. Her hand fumbled along the bedside table until it closed around a small white bottle. She took out a few little green pills and popped them into her mouth. The nightstand was unfortunately devoid of any consumable liquid. Jop grimaced as she choked the pills down dry.
1: Can I have some of those?
2: Asked a voice to her left. Jop whipped her head around to see Loy looking up at her. She rubbed her eyes to make sure she wasn't hallucinating. When she lowered her hands, Loy was still there.
4: Uh,
1: hey. Well, hey yourself. Now quit holding out on me with those pain drains. Oh, sorry.
2: Jop quickly handed her the white bottle. Oh, thanks. She said as she popped two of the green pills.
1: Oh, man, I have one dwarf star-sized headache. (laughs) Yeah, me too. So... Did we? To the nebula nasty? <laughs> no, Jop. I just like sleeping naked next to strange
4: women.
2: Jop lifted the blanket to peer under the covers.
4: Hey, we are naked. Damn, you're in good shape.
2: Loy tossed a pillow at her head, which she deflected. Jop's expression got a bit more serious.
1: So uh how how was it? Oh I'm not sure I remember. Maybe you should remind me.
2: Twenty minutes later, Jop was humming to herself as she dried off from the Santa bath. The smell of a freshly brewed pot of wahoo wafted into the lavatory. Jop followed the delightful scent into her rental suite's kitchenette, where Loy was pouring a steaming liquid into two mugs. She looked up at Jop and giggled.
1: (laughs) Nice outfit.
2: Jop looked down to see that she was wearing nothing but a towel. If you got the goods, you might as well show them off. Loy smirked as she handed her one of the mugs.
4: Oh, I hope you like it strong.
2: Jop accepted the mug and inhaled deeply. She took a sip inside.
1: Damn, that's good, Wahoo. Thanks. I thought about making us something to eat.
2: She opened the cooler cabinet, which was completely bare.
4: But you literally have no food.
2: Jop scratched the back of her neck.
4: Yeah, I spend like 90% of my time traveling. Doesn't make much sense to keep food
2: around. Loy opened another cabinet, revealing a dozen multicolored bottles. She eyed her skeptically.
4: Hey, food spoils. Booze doesn't.
2: Loy closed the cabinet and took a sip from her own mug.
4: Damn, I do
1: make a nice cup of wahoo. Anyway, so I assume all this traveling
4: is for work? You got it, Sweets. I'm a transport pilot for Prime Partners.
1: Oh, is that right?
4: Hmm. You any good? Well, today I'm picking up a Tier Nine payload. So what do you think? Hmm, I don't know what that means.
2: Jop was confused.
4: You live on Forza 6. So? So, this planet is the largest distribution center in the settled universe.
2: She stuck her chin out.
4: Only the best transporters get Tier Nine contracts.
1: Oh, so you're the best, huh?
4: Oh, you got it, sweets. So, where
1: will Prime Partner's best transporter be flying off to today? I'm picking
4: up my payload on Panui.
2: She glanced at the Gamma Cooker's universal timepiece.
4: And shit, I'm running late.
2: She turned to head back to the bedroom, but felt a hand grip her arm. She was surprised at the sudden emotional weight on Loi's face.
1: Did you say you were going to Panui? Oh uh, yeah, the big city. Why?
2: She bit her lower lip, hesitating.
1: What? What, what is it? Well, I'm actually from Nui. It's it's just been a really long time since I've been back.
2: Jop arched an eyebrow.
1: You want to come with?
2: Loy pulled back.
1: Oh, oh no, I couldn't have posed. I mean, we just met. And are you even allowed to do that?
4: Hell no, I'm not allowed to bring people along. I'm not allowed to drink while working either, but that doesn't mean I don't enjoy the occasional sip once in a while. You spend a long enough time in my line of work, you pick up a trick or two to get around some of the more annoying bureaucracies. (laughs) Are you sure you want me to come? Am I sure? Have you seen yourself? Yeah, I'm sure.
2: Her pale blue cheeks flushed violet.
4: (laughs) This is crazy. Okay, let's do it. Oh, I'd love to, but we really need to be leaving soon.
2: Loy punched Jop in the arm. Jop had only been a half hour late arriving at dispatch. How's it you's always late to report in, but your shipment always arrives early? Asked the station boss. A being with the head of an owl and the body of a gorilla.
4: I think it's because I'm Top's awesome.
2: For once, her late arrival hadn't been her own fault. Loy had needed to grab a few things from her place first. As Jop piloted the Class 4 Longstrider out of Forza 6's atmosphere, Loy commented,
1: It's almost disconcerting how easy that was.
4: Well, I have priority clearance. And the deck chief is a buddy of mine. I slipped him a few Talians to look the other way while you boarded.
1: Still, with the cargo being
4: as valuable as you said it was... <laughs> oh no, we don't have the good stuff yet. We're picking it up in Panui. The company's just getting a little more bang for its buck by having me drop off this load of sim chips at one of the casinos. Which casino?
2: Loy asked, a faint hint of trepidation creeping into her voice. Um… Jop checked her order summary.
4: Looks like we're headed to the Gilded Vixen.
2: She thought she saw Loy flinch at the mention of the name, but when she turned her head fully to look, Loy was all smiles.
1: I can't believe we're doing this.
2: She reached over and squeezed Jop's hand.
1: Oh, thank you so much. No problem.
2: She looked at the star-speckled canvas of space stretching out before them.
1: <sighs> so how long will it take to get there?
4: Oh, about a day. We'll hit the anomaly in 12 hours or so. Then after the jump, it's another 10 hours to the city. That's why Forces 6 is such a transport hub. It's got like three dozen anomalies within a day's flight. I've never
1: seen one in person.
4: An anomaly? Yep. How is that possible? I mean, you've obviously done some planet hopping.
1: I'm not a pilot, remember? I've always been stuck back in the commuter cabin for the jumps.
4: Oh, yeah. Well, you're going to see it this time. Not that it's much to look at. I mean, it's literally nothing.
1: Oh, I know. Obviously, I've seen pictures. I just think it's going to be exciting to watch us go through. (laughs) Whatever you
4: say, sweets.
2: Loy was in the middle of her fourth trip to the ship's galley when Jop's voice sounded over the calm line.
4: You should get up here quick. We're coming up on the jump.
2: She entered the control room and dropped down into her seat. She pulled a rations bar out of her pocket, tore off the orange wrapper, and started chewing. Jop glanced over.
4: Another Zachiel? How do you eat so much and still look like you do? I exercise a lot.
1: Well, did you bring me one? <laughs> no, but I brought myself a second
2: one. Jop opened her mouth to offer retort, but a flashing light on her console caught her eye. She tapped a few icons and the ship turned slightly to the left. She raised a stubby yellow finger and pointed.
4: Well, there's your anomaly.
2: Lois stared out into the vast expanse stretching before them. For the most part, it looked exactly like you'd expect a random patch of space to look shining white dots with the occasional swirl of color splattered across a black canvas. There was one glaring difference, however, which drew Loy's eye. Directly in front of them, some miles out, was a spot of utter blackness. Loy decided that black didn't even truly describe what she was seeing. It was a true absence of light. It was literally nothing. The spot of nothing grew larger as they approached. Loy felt the ship's speed pick up considerably. She was already reaching for the safety restraints when Jobs said,
4: Strap in.
2: The ship's acceleration continued to increase. The spot of nothing now covered the majority of their view. Their speed increased again. The few visible stars around the edge of their view screen began to blur. More speed. The black nothing grew and grew until it was the only thing they could see. Then Loy's vision went blank as if someone had draped a white cloth across her eyes. Her vision returned. Once again, she was looking at a normal patch of space. A sensation like static electricity rushed through her whole body. She shuddered.
1: Oh, it's been a while since I went through a jump. I forgot about the
4: tingling. Yeah, I barely notice it anymore. So how far did we just go? Well, if you want to get technical, we actually only traveled a few miles. That's kind of the point.
2: Loy punched her in the shoulder.
4: You know what I meant. Ouch. Did anyone ever teach you violence doesn't solve anything?
2: Loy folded her arms. Jop held her hands up defensively.
4: Okay, okay. We're about seven light years away from Forces 6. And you said it was how long until we reach Pinu? About 12 hours. This point is going to be pretty boring. I just need to run a diagnostic to make sure the jumped in fry any of the ship's systems. There's really nothing between us and the city outskirts, so I'll probably just set the autofly.
2: Loy gave a sly grin.
4: Well,
1: I'm going to head back and take a nap. Once you finish all that, you're welcome to join me.
2: She stood up, grazed her little blue fingers against the back of Jop's neck, and headed down the hall. Jop proceeded to set a company record for the fastest diagnostic scan. And that is part one of Jobs' Folly, written by Patrick Edwards. And here's your cast of voice actors. Job was played by Dr. Michelle Booz. Loy was Cindy Stevens. The drunken bog tech and the station boss are Van Riker. Hail the bartender is Augie Peterson, who we welcome to the Chronosphere Fiction cast. She'll be writing some for us in the future, too. Your narrator, Micah the Craggy. Production, sound design, and music were done by Daniel French. Thank you for joining us on this flight of the Chronosphere. I'm going to leave you with a promo from our new cast member, Augie Peterson. Till next time, keep your cosmos clean.
3: Hey folks, how's it going? My name is Augie and I host a podcast called The Short Stories of Augie Peterson. Once upon a time, I had two blogs. Then one day I started listening to podcasts. They seemed like a lot of fun and would combine the thing I was always afraid to share with the world, my writing, with the thing I had no choice but to share with the world, my theater background. So I decided to combine them into a podcast for those millennials that don't have time to read two blogs. I read the original horror stories I write on Tuesdays and review really terrible horror movies with massive amounts of sass on Thursdays. On the first Saturday of each month, I tell my listeners about five new indie artists that I have interviewed that I think they should know about. So if you like dorks, horror, and indie artists, this is the podcast for you. Check out the short stories of Augie Peterson wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, check out augiepeterson.wordpress.com. Toodaloo!
2: And now, Mutual of Ohm, providing spiritual insurance for your past, your present, and your future since 500 BC, proudly presents Wrinkley's Believe It or Forget About It bringing you strange but true tales and oddities from all over this wide world. And here is your host, Mr. Robert Wrinkley.
3: Hello! I'm Robert Wrinkley. And lastly, here is the story of Johnny Warden of Halifax, Nova Scotia, who, as second mate of the cargo ship SS Mont Blanc, miraculously survived the explosion of that vessel on December 6th, 1917, and the subsequent destruction of the Richmond District of Halifax, and the deaths of more than 2,000 Haligonians by the simple miracle of having been in the bed of a prostitute neighboring Fort Sackville at the time. He was known as Lucky Jack for the rest of his life. He died in 1947 in Queens, New York at the age of 62. Interestingly enough, in the bed of another prostitute. Believe it or forget about it. I'm Robert Wrinkley. Ta-ta for now.
2: You've been listening to a special feature of Pulp Puri Theater. Wrinkley's Believe It or Forget About It. Brought to you by Mutual of Ohm, providing spiritual insurance for your past, your present, and your future since 500 BC. This is Gramercy Noun speaking. We return you now to
0: our regularly scheduled program.